Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. LSU big lead. Was it 9-0 now, Tim? Yeah, 9-0 Grambling going to top of the ninth inning. This one will be over very soon. LSU will win its looks like third consecutive game. Play tomorrow. They'll play this weekend against Texas A&M. Big series this weekend is... They take on the top-ranked team in the SEC West. Only half game back. Still early in the SEC season, and this one's at home at the box. LSU might be back on top of those standings by week's end. So, yes, relax, everybody. R-E-L-A-X. Jacob Wass coming in second half of the hour, 932. We'll have Tulane Tuesdays with Jacob. We'll talk a little Ron Hunter, the new basketball coach. A little Tulane baseball also. But right now, I want to talk a little Pelicans before Jake Madison comes on at 920. Yesterday, we got into the initial conversation about the possible replacement for Alvin Gentry. And this is just speculation. I get it. But this is why sports radio is fun. We speculate. We talk. We discuss. And I brought up Becky Hammond, who's the first row, front row assistant coach for the San Antonio Spurs. And you're going, well, front row, what does that mean? In the NBA, you have second row and then front row assistant coaches, and it's kind of what it sounds like. You know, back of the bus, front of the bus situation here. She was elevated to first row coach, and she's really one of the hottest commodities, coaching commodities, in the NBA right now. She's coached with the Spurs for five years. She's one of the 20 or so best players in WNBA history before that. And everybody inside the league, you talk to league sources, and nearly unanimously – and frankly, unanimously, because I haven't found one who said anything else other than she is a great basketball mind and deserving of a head coaching shot. A lot of you disagreed. A lot of you disagreed on Twitter. I want to know why, and we're going to open up the lines here for you for about six or seven minutes at 504-260-1870. I'm on Becky Hammond of the Pelicans coaching search. That's area code 504-260-1870. You can text us at 870 But Tim Zimmer is, uh, has a different opinion on this than I do, Tim. So um can certainly phrase it maybe. <laughs> I don't want to give away everything we're talking about on text, but I'll just throw it to you. What, what's your opinion on Becky Hammond as a possible replacement for Alvin Gentry for the Pelicans? I think she's a good replacement for a franchise that has a stable – fan base a stable well i think the pelicans have a fan base but i think a fan base let's say like the knicks yeah uh like the mavericks or like the chicago bulls teams that have won in the past um i think that she'd be a good replacement for a team that's trying to rebuild there i think with the pelicans you have a team that's trying to rebuild but also a team that's trying to bring in fans and when you're when you're bringing in fans right now i think you need you i think that if it doesn't work out it's just going to give fans another reason to just you know Bad mouth the Pelicans franchise, and I think you have to hit on this. And I think it, the safest way to go is to hire someone else who's been in the league, um, not like a retread coach, but someone with, you know, with that has. Sure. So would it be fair to say 
in your estimation, Becky Hammond might be a good NBA coach, but she needs somewhere a little more stable to land. I, I, I think right? like the Mavs, for example, for, uh, for you know the owner of the Mavericks, I uh, forgot his name, on Shark Tank. Mark Cuban. Mark Cuban. I think that would be a good hire there because I know the, the, the coach for the Mavs, he's been there for a good while, and, I, and, and they have a losing record. I think a, a big city team that could bring fans in, I, I just think that – I think she's going to get the same treated the way Jessica Mendoza did at ESPN, where you're going to, you're going to see a lot of males uh, just criticize criticize her, and I think they're going to criticize the hire. And when you're the Pelicans, and when you're trying to bring in fans to the to to your games, I think that's going to be one of the ways that's going to turn off those those male that male fan base. And I think that's what you're going to see. Well, let's get your reaction uh, now. And I agree with Tim, by the way, in that you're going to have men. And yes, Tim and I are of that group, men, who for no reason at all will criticize if the Becky Ham and I are happens, no matter where it is, whether here or somewhere else. And, and, and also, it's going to happen. She's that good and she's that hot of a commodity coaching-wise that somebody's going to hire her sooner rather than later to coach an NBA team, if not a Division One college basketball team. No matter her credentials, how successful she was, no matter how many voices of support she has behind her, you're going to have a lot of people, a lot of men come out and say, well, she should have nothing to do with a men's sport. Well, playing and coaching is different, folks. It's as simple as that. Coaching crosses genders or strength and speed and athleticism and agility. If Becky Hammond is qualified, and if you have all these San Antonio players, current and former, Guys like Tony Parker and, and Manu Ginobili and Rudy Gay and everybody else saying Becky Hammond is a savant. Then why wouldn't you want somebody like that coaching your team if she's the best candidate available? It's simple as that for me. And let's be frank here. To have New Orleans, to have this Pelicans franchise as the epicenter of change and breaking that glass ceiling with a female owner, Gail Benson, who could pull the trigger to make that happen? I think it'd be kind of cool for the city and the franchise and everybody who follows Pelicans basketball and covers it. I mean, I think it just would. doesn't mean automatically she would resurrect the Pelicans into some kind of consistent championship contender or she would assuredly be the answer. No, just like any coaching hire, there's uncertainty around her. doesn't mean she's not worth a shot. Let's go to Roy on the phone lines in Algiers. Roy, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you for taking my call. Um, I'm going to have to say no on the Becky Hammond move because I think that considering where the franchise is at the moment, um, you know, we need to get some good players in, uh, especially uh, for the Anthony Davis trade. We're going to also have to attract good quality free agents. And, you know, if, if that move does not work out with Becky as the coach, then it could really – blow up and get ugly in New Orleans. If she's the best fit, if she's the most qualified candidate, and Roy, and, and, and you can just Google this yourself. Don't take my word for it. Um, you have all these NBA players across the league voicing their support for Becky Hammond. Would, would that change your mind? If she's the most qualified and players would like to come play for her, would that change your mind? Well, you also have to sell tickets as well, just as like if, if we had the number one pick, and the clear choice is Zion, um, Zion Williams. Then mm-hmm. you know you want to get him just to sell tickets, but he may not be the best player to fit on your team. But you so you, you're still going to have to get 
people in the seat. Not, I'm not just not. I'm not 100 sure if people are ready to accept a female head coach. Are you? I don't want you to speak for everybody else in the fan base, but I'll, I'll ask you to speak for yourself. Would you be? Would if, if Becky Hammond is hired? Would you still go to games? Would you still watch the Pelicans? Or, or because? And again, I'm not trying to put any words in your mouth here, Roy, right, on, right. on radio. But is it just because yeah. she's a woman, or is it, is it something else? I personally, I would. Um, because what's most important is how the Pelicans are playing. Are they winning? Are they competitive? So it, it would be strange at first, but, you know, I, I would get over it if, if, if a winning product is on the floor. Yeah, amen to that, Roy, and that's how you should feel. And I understand with any kind of change, there's going to be trepidation and uncertainty and uneasiness. And, and frankly, I would probably have some too, just because we've never seen it happen at that level before. But it'd be exciting. And, and from everything that I'm reading and I, everybody that – talks about her and her coaching prowess and what she's doing in San Antonio. Again, she's one of the hottest coaching candidates out there for a reason. It's not just because she's a woman or just because she's coaching under Greg Popovich. You have so many players and coaches and people around the league, NBA people who say she is deserving and ready to coach now in the league. That's why I say, hey, she's one of the best candidates out there. Why not for the Pelicans who just struggled mightily in that coaching category for a very long time. We'll take a break. When we come back, Jake Madison, the Locked on Pelicans podcast, will join us. We'll talk about this and the end of the regular season for the Pels here on the last lap. Our Blue Runner Foods opinion poll at WWL.com. Would Becky Hammond be a good fit to coach the Pelicans? Should Alvin Gentry be axed after the season? 69% of you are saying no, disagreeing with me. So let's bring Jake Madison in to talk about a very sports talky conversation here. Uh, Jake, host of the Locked on Pelicans podcast, at Nola Jake on Twitter. So I'll ask you right there. Won't bury the lead, Jake. What do you think about Becky Hammond if Alvin Gentry, and I still think it's an if, not a win, but if Alvin Gentry is let go, what do you think about Becky Hammond? Yeah, it is definitely an if, not a when. I don't think that decision's been even remotely made just yet. But she, she'd be a good choice. You know, I, if you had asked me this a couple of years ago, I would have said no, not yet. But she's been on the front side of the bench here with the Spurs this season. She's coached them in summer league. She's someone who is well-respected around the league, that NBA players who have uh, been under her think very highly of her. That says a lot coming from that Popovich and that Spurs tree and that organization is always a good thing. It's a bit of an unconventional hire, but in a small market, maybe that's the type of thing you need to do. Yeah, exactly. And in wouldn't something like that, you have your finger on the pulse of this fan base and franchise much more than I do and covered it longer than I have. Do you think that maybe something in an unconventional move like that would be the spark that this franchise and this fan base needs? You know, I, I think it would energize the fan base for sure, given that it'd be the first female hire in the NBA as a head coach like that. That can kind of jazz people up, and I think it'll get a lot more people interested, adds more media attention to the team. You know, there's going to be a number of candidates that could be good about this, but ultimately the hire that's going to be most important, that's going to jazz people up, get people fired up, kind of be a turning point is going to be what they do with the GM search and the front office, and hopefully we'll get resolution on that. Pretty soon. Yeah, so that's what's going to be my next question to you, Jake. Is Danny Ferry really the leading candidate here now? And who else is in the running to grab those jobs? Yeah, you know, he, he's certainly in the mix. 
and they think very highly of him. I don't know if I'd put him as the leading candidate. It helps to kind of have that, that he has that inside track on it, having been around the organization. But I'd caution it. Yes, his history in Atlanta has been good. He's made some nice moves here with the Pelicans organization so far. But this is also a guy who was in the room, who was part of the Pelicans organization when they gave Solomon Hill that massive contract that's just been a drain on the salary cap for the past number of years. And I think if you promote him to being the general manager or the president of basketball operations, it's going to largely look as, okay, they're just kind of going with the status quo and not doing that shakeup that they need to do that they've been talking about doing over the past couple of weeks. But at the same point, you don't necessarily want to react to the outside and you want to get the best guy in here. And if they feel that's Danny Ferry, they're certainly going to go that route. If I had to guess at a favorite, I'd say it's probably Trajan Langdon of the New Jersey Nets. He's their assistant general manager. He's been there since 2016. Look at the rebuild that that team has done. They have a 500 record now, but they're seventh in the Eastern Conference playoff race. They're basically in at this point. And They've done that with almost no assets. They were decimated after that trade with the Boston Celtics that brought them Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett. They sent three or four, I forget now, first-round picks to the Boston Celtics in multiple pick swaps in that they didn't have a pick before 20 in multiple drafts. Yet with that, they found multiple starters Guys like Karis LeVert, Jarrett Allen, who were all drafted 20 or later. They've made some excellent free agent signings. And guys like Spencer Dinwiddie, who've been waived by two other teams. Joe Harris, who've been waived by the Cleveland Cavaliers. That's four guys right there. And that's not even counting the trade that brought them D'Angelo Russell. Russell, who's been an all-star this year and is about to get paid big money this offseason, likely by the Nets. That's a guy who's been in the room for all of that, who has a scouting background, so you know he had big influence on all of those signings, all of the draft picks. That's the type of guy I think that you can bring in and can kind of remake your franchise top to bottom. And the guy you need, big free agents aren't signing in New Orleans. It's the fact of being in a small market. You need a guy who can hit on those minimum signings, those unheralded guys that he's done his research on that he knows are going to come in and outplay their contract. And that's how you build a contender in a city like New Orleans. It's Jake Madison here joining us on the last lap, host of the Locked On Pelicans podcast and at Nola Jake on Twitter. Got to ask you the obligatory Christian Wood question here, Jake. Uh, is this just <laughs> the, the typical late season, uh, really good, nice feeling story that we're not really going to hear from Christian Wood again when it comes next year? You know, I'm not entirely sure yet. A lot of it is there's kind of just like, you know, a saying in the NBA and that beware of good stats on a bad team in March and April in what are ultimately meaningless games for the Pelicans right now. You know, when you're sitting guys like Anthony Davis, Drew Holiday and others, someone needs to to score and someone will score. You're not going to just go out and score 50 points in a game. And right now it's been Christian Woods. He's also doing it off the bench. so He's not going against starters on a night in night out basis. That makes me a little bit nervous, but at the same point, it still is a feel-good story. This is a guy who might not have been in the league next year and who's certainly at least going to be invited to the Pelicans training camp, to summer league, to preseason with a very good chance of making the roster next year. And if he can give you a fraction of what he's giving you on the veteran minimum deal that he'll have next year, if he can give you something like 10 and 5 off the bench in 10 minutes or so, you're going to feel really good about that production 
So I'd say be happy about this. He's likely going to be here next year. But if you're expecting a starter next season, that's where you might want to pump the brakes a little bit. Well, it hasn't just been Christian Wood that's been performing well since this Anthony Davis nonsense post-All-Star break. We've talked about Alfred Payton before. He's been great. Tied that record with triple-doubles five in a row. Julius Randle, who's under contract next year, he's been playing exceptionally well. So Jake, what's your view on this roster that the next GM and president, whether that's Danny Ferry or Trajan Langdon, whoever will inherit is there something to build on here, not even accounting for anything they're going to get back in the Anthony Davis trade? Yeah, certainly. I mean, you've got some very nice role players. You have your star player in Drew Holiday, who's played at an all-star level this year. He's played at that all-defense level that we know, and he's in the running for defensive player of the year. He's the true leader of this team, and he's grown into that role tremendously well. And if you just have him, you have to feel pretty good about what you can put around him. You found guys like Frank Jackson who can kind of be that go-to scorer with a second unit. You've seen Czech Diallo play a little bit better recently. You've even got Jalil Okafor, who's probably going to be the opening night starter for this Pelicans team next year, who in his limited minutes, and they're limiting him even more right now because they know what he can give you, can probably go out and give you 20 and 10 almost on a nightly basis given the right matchups. You have to feel good about that because those guys are signed to minimum deals. They're not taking up the majority of your cap space, meaning that you have kind of clean sheets and clean balances next year to make those right kind of moves that build you into a contender over the long term. Think about that D'Angelo Russell trade with the Nets. They took on the contract of Timothy Mozgov from the Lakers and the $18 million he was owed over two years to get in D'Angelo Russell, knowing they weren't competing right away, and that's very clearly worked out for him. So this is a pretty appealing situation contrasted to the Washington Wizards who fired their longtime general manager today. You've got John Wall who's going to be making 40 or $45 million next season. That looks absolutely terrible. You'll have no flexibility. This job looks way better compared to some of the other ones around the league. Okay, Drew Holiday, final question here. He's sensational. I believe, Jake, you can build around him, but... There's the the counter theory here that his value in the trade market has never been higher. Could we possibly see both Anthony Davis and Drew Holiday traded for big-time assets this summer? I mean, yeah, potentially. I think the only way Drew Holiday, though, gets traded is if he requests a trade. And then the Pelicans would likely want to do right by him and move him to a, a better situation for him where he is in his career. Knowing the type of person that he is, I don't know if that's what he's going to do. This is someone who, you know, given his family life and his situation, maybe just wants some stability, genuinely seems to like it here in New Orleans. And that might be more important to him right now in his career, in his life, than playing for a winner. And if he doesn't request out, I don't think they will move him, given the influence he has in the locker room. Frank Jackson worked out with him last offseason. He's going to be working out with him again this offseason. I think that has a lot of value, even if for just not the on-court situation of things. So I think he only gets moved if he requests out, and I still think you know that's unlikely to happen. Jake Madison, host of the Locked on Pelicans podcast. You can get that every day, LockedOnPelicans.com, Apple Podcasts, at Nola Jake on Twitter. Uh, Jake, uh, fly better, my friend, all right? I will certainly try to. Been doing well recently. Can't <laughs> wait to get back on the table with you. Hey, hey, I actually beat you for the first time in a while in a competitive match a couple of weeks ago. So there you go, right? Yeah, I haven't dealt with that list since, so I'm going to have to break it out again. We're going to have to try <laughs> see if I can get some revenge. <laughs> All right, buddy. We'll talk to you soon. Uh, Jake Madison, again, at Nola Jake on Twitter. Be sure you follow him there. And, yeah, a little uh, nerdy X-Wing talk. Jake and I uh, 
put a little Star Wars X-Wing together in our casual time. Got to take a break here. Again, our Blue Runner gumbo opinion poll at WWL.com. What do you think about Becky Hammond as a possible coach for the Pelicans? You can voice your opinion there. Phone lines will be open at 504-260-1870. Our text line is 870-870. Coming back in just a little bit, Tulane Tuesdays with Jacob Lawson studio. We'll talk about Ron Hunter, the new basketball coach at Tulane, and also a little Tulane baseball. It's Seth Dunlap, Tim Zimmer's behind the glass. The last lap continues here on WWL. Ah, yes. Little Tulane fight song. We'll get to Tulane Tuesdays in about 90 seconds or so. Jacob Wass warming up in the bullpen over there. First, I want to get to Marvin in the seventh ward. You've been hanging on, Marvin. You want to talk Pelicans, Becky Hammond. What's going on? Hey, man. How you doing, Steph? I'm good. What's your thoughts, dude? I just don't think they may get ready for a female head coach. I mean, guys, it's hard for guys to take orders from a female. I understand. But it's just hard for them to do it. I take orders from from a woman every single day here, Marvin. It's different. This one between in the locker room, and you know, it's it's very different. Trust me. No, I, well, you know, I don't have to trust you. I've been in many locker rooms. Uh, uh, let me ask you this, Marvin. If I told you, and you can go look this up, if you have a host of NBA players, current, not former, but current NBA players, guys are in NBA locker rooms right now, saying that Becky Hammond should get a job, would that change your mind? No. Those, those guys are saying because she's an assistant. It's different between a head coach and an assistant coach. Yeah, but those guys are saying she deserves a head coaching job. Guys like Rudy Gay. I'm sure she do. Uh, in time, she probably will get a head coaching job. But the Pelicans right now are not ready for it. All right, fair enough, Marvin. And you are with the majority of our audience right now. And Tim Zimmer called it, right? Yeah, you said about uh, 60 70% of the audience and Pelicans fans would be against this so far. That's holding true. Thanks for the call, Marvin. Appreciate you listening. Let's bring on in Jacob Wass here of Spring Break fame, right? On on Facebook. Was that the show? Did I got that right? What was the what was the <laughs> what was the YouTube series called? It was Summer Break. Summer Break. Sorry, we could summer leave break. it at Spring Break. Spring, spring break. <laughs> Go look that up. Uh, Jacob, welcome back, man. Uh, it's been a busy couple of weeks oh, on yeah. the campus uptown, huh? Yeah, it's been pretty busy, and we uh, we finally have a new leader. Our fearless leader, Ron Hunter, has taken the helm at Tulane Basketball. We got a certified winner. He has more than 400 career wins. He was previously at Georgia State, who was nothing, but he turned them into one of the best mid-major programs in the country. Georgia State has reached the March Madness Tournament three times in the past five years. Mind you, Tulane has not done it this millennium, so it would be nice if we could bring in a winner if, and, and get something going. So when I heard Ron Hunter was hired, uh, Jacob, I, I knew who he was. Georgia State made the tournament the last couple of years, including this year. But I, I scratched my head a little bit going, really, this is the guy? The more I re researched him and read about him and heard him talk, the more I'm kind of sold. Now, it, nothing's assured as a head basketball coach, especially at Tulane, right? But have you come around to this hire? Are you a little more skeptical than I am? Oh, I think it's a home run hire. Absolutely. The one thing he said in his press conference that really stuck with me was, I don't think you can be in a major city and not recruit the city. And that's Tulane's biggest problem, in my opinion. When he was at Georgia State, the majority of his players were from Atlanta. When he was at IU... IUPUI, most of them were from Indianapolis. So there's no reason why 
people from New Orleans shouldn't be coming to Tulane. I know LSU is like the main destination, but Tulane is a power six conference is in a power since six conference and should be right up there. You, and now here's the question of the day, trivia question of the day. Do you know what IUPUI stands for? Indiana University, Purdue University Institute? Yes. Uh, Illinois. Uh, is it Illinois? Indianapolis. Indianapolis. In, uh, Illinois or Indianapolis on the back there, I think. It wouldn't be <laughs> Illinois. Well, it wouldn't be Illinois. It would be Indianapolis. All right. I'm giving right? me half credit. Yeah. Well, I get it. Well, that's Tim usually gives me half credit on this uh, two-minute drill we do um, every week. So recruiting the city is big. I've been talking about this for a while on the show with Mike Dunleavy and everybody who's coached at, mm-hmm. at, at Tulane before that, Ed Conroy before him. Do you actually think it's going to happen? Because we've seen this through countless hires now for Tulane where whether players don't want to play there, whether it's a lack of really effort recruiting the city, just hasn't happened. There's no reason why it shouldn't, and Ron Hunter has shown to be a really respected guy from his players. Honestly, I think Georgia State is kicking themselves for not keeping him, and he made it very clear that he liked being in Atlanta and with this school a lot, but for some weird reason, they wouldn't extend him a long-term deal, which is why he he eventually ended up coming to Tulane. Credit to Troy Dan, and I know we've kind of given him a hard time on the show, but he jumped at the opportunity right when Hunter became available, and Hunter said that he liked Tulane because he felt wanted. Did, wanted him here. did they go through that process that Dan had promised everybody? I think, what was it, a list of 20, he said, names that he had, and he wanted to take a look at them all? Did they go through that process? I'm really not sure, but I mean, Hunter is totally a certified winner, like we said before, and if... Tulane can start getting I mean if they could get one win it's a win for them it's a win for the program they can't really get any worse right now right right you're at the bottom yeah can't fall any further yeah and the AAC just reached a 12-year $1 billion television deal with ESPN so they that means that Tulane needs to start playing like they're in a power conference and I think Hunter is like the most reasonable way that they can finally get some upward upward mobility. Well, it's interesting you talk about um, the American, the conference, as that was my angle yesterday. You look at the basketball side of this conference, it is a power conference. You got Houston, you've got UConn, regardless of their recent struggle, that is kind of a blue blood, or at least one of the recent blue bloods in basketball. It's a power conference. But can Tulane in this conference that's relatively darn good in basketball – is it reasonable to expect them to contend for NCAA tournament bursts on a regular basis, even with Ron Hunter, who's used to doing it? Yeah, and I mean, I think Ron Hunter could be like the Willie Fritz of basketball. Both coaches came from small schools in Georgia. They both came for nothing, but were able to climb the system by winning. And now they should be able to find success. I mean, like we said, I mean, we keep saying the same thing over and over again, but it's like the dude is a winner. No. Whereas people love to say it like commentators on ESPN, he's a program builder. So we shouldn't expect them to reach the tournament next season, but maybe it's like the next year they get 10 wins. And then the season after that, they get 15 wins. It's a, it's a process, but yeah, yeah, Rome wasn't Rome wasn't built in a day, that's for sure. And he's from this you can't the the unrealistic fans are gonna expect Ron Hunter to come in and win twenty games right away. Or be above five hundred in conference right away. The unrealistic fans, I think the realistic fans are yeah. like you, Jacob, will they'll say, give him time. I mean, this is going to be four, five, six, seven year process. This isn't gonna happen overnight. Yeah. I mean, look what he's inheriting. So it's totally gonna be a process. Emphasis on the unreasonable fans. But 
I think Ron Hunter is really the guy. Like we mentioned before, there was no reason for Tulane to try to go out, get another NBA coach or like an Avery Johnson, a guy that's established himself winning at different schools. And now this is just a bigger challenge for him in a on a much larger scale. Indeed. We'll take a break. It's Jacob Wass in studio with us. When we come back, we'll talk a little Tulane baseball. You can also give us a call. You want to talk Tulane with Jacob and I, 504-260-1870. What do you think about the wrong hunter hire? 504-260-1870. And the text line is 870-870. The last lap continues on WWL. Jacob Washington studio with us. Tulane Tuesdays here on the last lap. Just talked Ron Hunter, Tulane basketball. Let's go to Tulane baseball. Series win against Cincinnati. Third place in the American Jacob. Pretty good season in progress here for the Green Wave. Yeah, definitely pretty good. Today they faced UNO in Windy Gentilly, the first of a three-game season-long series called the Pelican Cup. This used to go down in the 80s. It was a yearly occurrence, but now they've brought it back. It's three games played in the middle of the week, and each game is two weeks apart. So I don't know what the final score of today's game was, but as I last checked, it was 9-9, or it's tied headed into the ninth. All right, we'll put Tim on that, our our crack researcher behind uh, the scenes. Let me ask you about this series between Tulane and LSU from your perspective. uh, The guy who went to Tulane has been on that campus, talked about it a lot, series that dates back about 100 years, got canceled, and well, suspended, I guess is how they're – um, phrasing it, it will resume perhaps in a few years. Is um, Tulane fans are they as uh, upset about it as I should say the people on the campus are they upset about it as, as people across the city seem to be over the last year? There's not a ton of discussion. I do see a ton of advertisements about Tulane baseball, so it's definitely you're right. Is it is citywide? It's a citywide team, but I think no people at Tulane are. They're moving on. Like, we're not. We're <laughs> right. not used to winning too often. Yeah, so. I, I feel that. Uh, Tim says Tulane leads seven six in the top of um, the tenth inning. There I want to get. I want to get to a text here before we get out of here, Jacobs. We were talking about this during the break. Uh, here's the one from the five zero four Tulane. Their problem is they play in a high school gym. Talking about basketball, the atmosphere for college basketball is not there. I'll give my opinion. I'm going to get yours said this before i think devlin is an awesome college basketball facility um could be better they could renovate it they could redo it but there are some big time college basketball teams that don't play in any bigger facilities than that attendance wise i mean gonzaga plays in front of 4500 people we talked about them a lot i don't think it's it's a size thing here and in fact i think it's very intimate with what you need on the campus yeah let me double down on your take devlin fieldhouse is electric Nothing but electric, Seth. And I like it. Okay. Yeah, it's right in the middle of campus, right next to the freshman dorms. Me and my friends used to hang out, walk over to the games. It's a great time. And I mean, if, what's the alternative? They play in the Smoothie King Center. Like, are we all gonna take like a drive our cars or take a twenty minute Uber down to watch Tulane lose a bunch of games? No way. So Devlin's great. It's fun. I go with my friends sometimes. Well, when like they're playing against Houston or whatnot. Yes. But now that Ron Hunter's back, game should be a lot better. And I think yeah, it's far from a high school gym. It's a great atmosphere. I remember the Devlin getting full. This was a few years ago when UConn first came down, when when the the conference sort of first kind of formed, and it was it was incredible. I would imagine. Well, certainly this year they had an empty, you know, cavernous feel inside Devlin. If that's if that's possible, you think fans will 
and Tulane students and fans will show up if Ron Hunter starts winning? If Tulane gives a good product, the fans will definitely fill the stadium. There's no doubt. The last game against Wichita State, though, was really, it was a sad scene, Seth. There's not, no way else to say it, but it was sad. That game-winning shot that just, like, put the exclamation mark on, like, a terrible season. It was all Wichita State friend, fans, and me and my friends just looked at each other like, geez, there goes Dunleavy, and uh, here we are. Well, yeah, and thank goodness <laughs> that Dunleavy actually went, and there he went. Uh, Jacob, always appreciate it, man. I guess we'll we'll do it again next week. Sounds good. Thank you for all having right. me. Uh, give everybody your social media. They can follow you on Twitter, although, no, you're not writing for the AAF anymore because what happened today, I suppose, right? Yeah, AAF spots going through a transition period, so make sure to follow me at Jacob Wass. Got some cool stuff up there if you want to see what I'm doing. And, uh, yeah, I'll yes. see you next week. And you can be one of his uh, you know, 20,000 followers or so on, t- <laughs> yes. on Twitter. You and all the other middle school girls. Yeah. Follow <laughs> there, there, there you go. There is a story behind that. You can check the podcast. Uh, that, <laughs> yeah. that's not, that doesn't, it's not nearly as bad as that sounds. <laughs> I used to be part of a reality show. Uh, Jake, appreciate it. We'll talk to you next week. I can explain, I promise. I yes, promise. Yeah, exactly. All right, see you next Tuesday, man. All right. All right, we'll be back after this on The Last Lap. All right, we got bat flip alert, apparently. Tim, come on in here. I didn't see this in studio, but Bryce Harper, it's no longer the Booney bat flip or the Batista bat flip. It apparently is the Bryce bat flip. Bryce Harper going yard against his former team. Yeah, Bryce Harper's back uh, tonight in Washington for this first game ever as a Philly and in Washington Park. And uh, he hit a home run, and I want to say it was the ninth, eighth inning. Eighth inning, he hit a home run. And he grabbed the bat by the big handle and flipped it up in the air, and it did a 720. It was probably the most <laughs> glorious bat flip I've ever not, seen in my life. Not a 360, but a 720. The double. I got to look this up. Um, it was great. Who's the best bat flipper you've ever seen? Bautista's game winner um, in the playoffs was pretty nice. So I think that one right now is the one I think about as I see bat flips. Although, if you go look in the Mexican League baseball, they have some glorious bat flips there. I remember Brett Boone's bat flip, the Booney bat flip. Do you ever watch those back in the day? I mean, he was roided out of his mind, Brett Boone. I think he was hitting right behind A-Rod and then uh, Ichiro a couple of years. Yeah, he would just bat flip it out of existence also. Let's score that game. Are you talking about the Nationals game? Yeah. Uh, they were, it's 8-2 to two Phillies. There you go, 8-2 Phillies. Uh, Tulane leading UNO 7-6. to six. In the bottom of the 10th inning, I believe now, in that series, we're just talking to Jacob about. Let's go to the phone lines. More talk about Becky Hammond and the New Orleans Pelicans. Byron in New Orleans. Welcome to the show. Hello. Hello. What's up, Byron? Yeah. Yeah, how you doing? Me, I think, I honestly think that she'd be a good addition. I mean, she she coached on the Popovich, you know, the best coach in the league in history, in my in my personal opinion. You know, and I think that plus she come in, her being the first female coach too, she gonna she gonna work hard. Like she gonna actually maximize the players in a way that we ain't have a coach yet to do. Yeah, and well that's just it. If you're if you're the first woman that gets this opportunity, you're gonna work your butt off. Not like she wouldn't anyways, but maybe even more so in that spot. It's one of the like I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm not predicting that Becky Hammond of the Pelicans is going to happen. In fact, like I said, I'm not even predicting that Alvin Gentry is going to be fired. But I do think she would be a fabulous addition to really any franchise as their head coach. 
Thanks for the call, Byron. College basketball, not the pro side. College basketball is going to be on Final Four right here on WWL Saturday and then Monday. Saturday at 2.30, we've got the Final Four show. And then at 5.09, the games begin. Virginia against Auburn, followed by Michigan State against Texas Tech. Then on Monday, we're going to have the championship game right here in our time slots. You got a favorite, Tim, in this Final Four? And I don't even want to hear – I was telling people yesterday on the show, just so I'm not calling you out behind your back, I said I do not want to hear any anything about Tim's brackets because I know he got like 90 of these things. I only have one. I don't care if it's you know Tim Zimmer number 89 or Tim Zimmer number 42. I don't want to hear about it because I only want to hear about people that had one bracket. Well, that bracket right there to your uh, to your right. That one has Virginia winning the old. Oh, the that, this one does. That one has Virginia. Okay. Just now, like, which which one had Michigan State winning it? And which one had Texas Tech winning it? Well, I did have Michigan State in my other bracket. That's <laughs> currently in first place <laughs> of, of your of our uh, of our pool. Yeah. So uh, I, I did have Michigan State winning against Duke, but um, I also had UNC and the other side coming out. So, um, but all in all, I think I'm gonna. I was rolling with the Who's of Virginia. Since day since day one of the tournament. Well, in this bracket you were, but you were you really ro- you're rolling with everybody. Well, I, I feel like Tim Zimmer I, has 64 brackets. Well, it's probably 68 brackets with all 68 teams. I, I bought in. Champs. I bought in on two futures this year, and it was on the Gonzags because you know Ralph Michaels, and I also bought in a future on Virginia. So one of those has to pay off. No, oh. and I'm hoping that that future on Virginia when they were at 12 to one. You have a twelve to one future on Virginia. That's nice. I have a twelve to one and a ten to one, and I got a five and a half to one. Like last, just because I was there, I was like, well, I might as well. Oh. So I got a couple, a uh, couple investments on the on the who's. Oh, it's great. I like it. Although I've been telling Ralph, you, Christian, and Bobby in the entire season. Well, maybe not the entire season, but the last few weeks. I don't know if Gonzaga was going to make that title run. Ended up not being true. I should not have taken them out of that bracket. I should have taken Texas Tech or Michigan, which is what I was going to do until everybody convinced me that I would be a terrible, you know, Zag Homer fan if I didn't take Gonzaga in the Final Four. I should have listened to my own head and my own basketball smarts here and not had Gonzaga advancing out of that region, Tim. You went wrong by picking Tennessee. That's the thing. We all knew Rick Barnes was a terrible tournament coach. <laughs> well, I, I was I was preaching this every day, basically going to the SEC tournament. But and couldn't you say that about Tony Bennett at Virginia? You could, but I think that Virginia's talent overwhelmed. Like, the talent is on Virginia this year. Their path, Tennessee's and Virginia's path, basically was, like, the easiest to get to the Final Four. So you kind of guess had to guess Tennessee or Virginia. One of them were going to get to the Final Four. I just thought Virginia playing a, maybe a possible Oregon team as they're, you know, they'll go to the Elite Eight. I thought that was an easier path than playing, let's say, a Purdue or someone like that. I, I, I think I, I forgot who I had. I had Tennessee losing to no- Villanova. So I thought Tennessee's pass was a little harder than Virginia's. So here's the real question. For LSU fans, who should they be rooting for in this Final Four? I'm actually going to do a segment on this or two, I think, on Thursday. And I'll tell you why I think you should be rooting for this one team. But for you, who do you think LSU should be rooting for? I think they should be uh, rooting for maybe Texas Tech or Virginia. You don't root for Auburn. There's no way you can get LSU fans to root for Auburn. And I don't think they root for Michigan State because they're a blue blood, and I don't think LSU fans would want to you know, root for a blue blood. So I think Texas Tech or Virginia is probably your best bet. I think everybody's kind of a Virginia fan now, right, after what happened 
last year with them. Unless you're a Duke fan or UNC fan. Sure. No, I mean, obviously, everybody outside their rivals, perhaps, in the ACC. But it's pretty easy to get on board the Who's bandwagon, the Cavaliers bandwagon, as you said. Yeah, what a, what a just, fairy tale story that would be. I just think when I see Texas Tech, I kind of think of them as a boring basketball team, although you could say the same thing for Virginia. Yeah. It's just that Texas Tech just has a bunch of guys that I've never heard of. I guess there's a few guys for Virginia like Kyle Guy and Jerome that people have known at least throughout the season. I used boring, and I, I agreed with you there because I do think the average casual college basketball fan would say boring if it's Texas Tech-Virginia in that title game. I would love it. I love scoring. I like the freedom of play and the higher pace the game's being played at the last few years. Tim, I would be all in on this defensive tractor pull, Texas Tech and Virginia in the title game. Are you kidding me? I couldn't get enough of that. But I, if I know you, you'd be all out. You'd be like, no way. Boring, right? No, I thought the Oregon-Virginia game was probably one of the best of the tournament considering how good their defenses were. So I think that's the kind of same kind of game you're going to get, like a, a struggle to the very end, last shot kind of game. All right. Well, see, we're on the same page then. Two hours down, one to go. When we come back, we'll talk a little Saints and Vegas over-unders. Saints at 10.5 in Vegas. Patriots lead the league, 11 over-under. Should be, you be paying attention to that? Also, John DeShazer, senior writer for NewOrleansSaints.com, comes on into the show. We might play a little Coach O's interview on Sports Talk and, of course, Sports Libs. It's all next hour, final hour of the last lap coming up. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 